Our reading from God's Word this morning is found in Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Thank you, Nora. March Madness uh, came into town. Yeah, we're in the season of that, and it's been exciting and fun, and thousands and thousands of people have come to Boise, Idaho uh, to, to engage in this incredible basketball tournament. Uh, full of anticipation, the vibe was high and, and exciting, and uh, lots, of, lots of good celebration in watching what was going on, but if you went downtown at all, it was just, it really was madness. I mean, thousands of people everywhere couldn't get into a restaurant. It was just full of fun and energy, and, and March Madness is a good term uh, for this uh, tournament. The same thing was happening in Jerusalem at Passover time. March Madness, thousands and thousands of people came into town to celebrate, to offer uh, sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. The frenzy was high, and there was high hopes for redemption at Passover time. High hopes wondering who would be crowned, who is coming in, will there be a Redeemer, a Messiah? Will there be someone who will deal with Rome and be our Redeemer, our Deliverer? in the middle of all of this oppression that we're going in. And it truly was like March Madness. Everybody shouting out, everybody gathering together, everybody going to the temple, exciting. And anticipation is high. But Jesus rode in, the Messiah. And Jesus could be called a bracket buster in this case. Everybody filled out the bracket at Passover time. Who's going to be 
the one who will be crowned? Who's going to be the victor in all of this? Every Passover, a bracket was set up. But Jesus wrote in a bracket buster. He wasn't the victor they expected. The king. The one who would come in and deliver them. But he truly was the savior. Jackson reminded us last week out of Isaiah 59 of a people who were lost and hopeless and struggling and living in sin and again looking for life. And Isaiah 59, starting at verse 16, says this. He saw there was no man, and he wondered that there was no one to intercede, but then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness was upheld. And a Redeemer will come to Zion. And a Redeemer will come to Zion. That's what took place on the first Palm Sunday. A Redeemer came. His name was Jesus. And he fulfilled Zechariah 9. A king would come in and he would ride in lowly, humble, on a colt. And they spread out their cloaks. And they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and the whole city was stirred up into March Madness. And the question they had was, who is this? Who is this? He's breaking our bracket. And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus. That's who it is. He's from Nazareth of Galilee. That's what happened the first Palm Sunday. Yet, at the same time, rabbinical tradition says this, that in the temple... At the same time, in the beginning of the week, as Jesus was riding in, humble king, and people were giving him praise, at the same time in the temple that the priests were giving praise to God and that they were reciting, they were actually singing Psalm 24. And that's why I want to spend our time this morning in Psalm 24. It's a psalm about the expectation of the king who would come in. And it's a psalm that I believe speaks directly to Jesus, our King. It's very fitting on this Palm Sunday as you think about the Messiah riding in and praise being given in the temple. Let's look at this psalm together. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The answer to that. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, and who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. And then let me read verse 8 quickly. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. It's interesting, on this Palm Sunday, Jesus is riding in, and the question is, who is this man? The same question is being asked in the temple. Who is this king of glory? 
Who is he? They're both seeking after the same thing. And the answer to both, ultimately, is Jesus. He's the king of glory. He's coming in to Jerusalem, victorious. He's the bracket buster no one saw coming. And he will lead his people. And he will be their savior, the redeemer that Isaiah 59 speaks of. The people in the streets and the priests in the temple were all giving praise to God Almighty. And some of them didn't even know it. So let's pray this morning that God will open our eyes and answer the question for us, who is this king? Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour out upon us and and open our eyes, open our hearts to the truth that you are the King. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. That we would see you. And I pray this morning that if we've closed off our hearts to you, Father, that we would open our hearts to receiving you again as Lord of our lives, that you would be enthroned in our lives. Father, we give you praise this morning, and and we want you to be glorified this morning through our worship. May we see you in a beautiful way this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of lords. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I want to look at this, this beautiful psalm, a song of praise to the King coming in, and that we are stirred, hopefully, to give praise to our God. We praise Him because He is our Creator, that the psalm points out. That we would give praise to Him because He is our Savior. And that we give praise to Him as we welcome Him in, as we open up the gates of our life to Him. And because of all that He does in our lives, that we give praise to Him. He is worthy of our praise. And like on that Palm Sunday, if the people weren't going to shout out, the rocks would, because he's worthy of our praise. The psalm begins with God entering the city. It's about a royal entrance into the holy city. And most scholars believe that this psalm was written as King David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was always known as the presence of God in the midst of the people. It it, it was brought with them as as they came into the promised land and as they stepped into Jericho and they defeated and the walls crumbled down. The presence of God, the ark, powerful, God's presence with them. The ark that contained the Ten Commandments, the covenant that God had with His people. Yet the people of God started to reject the Lord and live in disobedience. And so the Philistines ended up capturing the Ark of the Covenant, and it was taken away from them. God's presence no longer there. And we know that in the Philistine camp, the power of God was too powerful. There was all kinds of bad things that were happening in the Philistines. Philistines wanted to get rid of it. They're like, we can't handle this power. And so it ended up going place to place to place, It ended up in Obed-Edom. And while it was there in Obed-Edom, 
there was lots of blessings going on with the people there. And David recognized these blessings. So he went to go gather the Ark of the Covenant and to bring it back into Jerusalem. And so the presence of God being brought back into the holy city of Jerusalem. And so is Psalm 24, singing praises of God's back. Who is this king? Welcome him, receive him, open the gates. Here comes the presence of the Lord. David is the earthly king, but he worships the king of kings. And his presence comes back in. And so the psalm begins at this royal entrance when the Ark of the Covenant brought into Jerusalem. And it begins with this praise to the Creator. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, for He founded it upon the seas and He established it upon the waters. This verse asserts strongly God's ownership, His authority of everything. Everything. The whole world belongs to Him. Not only the world itself, everything in it, the rocks and the trees and the birds and the bumblebees and His most beautiful creation of all, you and me. It all belongs to Him. You know, all those things that you think you own, your home and your cars and your paycheck, it's all His. It's all His. And for us to surrender that unto Him, the God of all the universe, the Creator of all. See, the reason He has authority over all this is because He created it all. He's the one who gave it to us. It's His. Theologian Abraham Kuyper said this, In the total expanse of the human life, there's not a single square inch of which Christ, who alone is sovereign, does not declare, that is mine. I own that. I rule over it. And that authority is given to him. Why? Because he created it all. It belongs to him. And woe to us if we think it doesn't. He is the God who has authority, and it's based on His creation. He rules over it all. He holds it all together. You know, there's been, for years, a debate over creation and origin, where we come from. Many of you are aware that Stephen Hawking died a couple weeks ago. And the Idaho Statesman had an article on him, and I just want to share a little bit of what was said about him. He was really a brilliant man. Stephen Hawking was one that guided generations of enthusiasts through the esoteric world of antiparticles, quarks, quantum theory. All these things I know we have a full grasp upon. He was involved in the search for the great goal of physics called the unified theory. For Hawking, the search was almost religious and it was an incredible quest for him. He said, finding the theory of everything 
would allow man to know the mind of God. A complete, consistent, unified theory is only the first step. Our goal, he claimed, is complete understanding of all the events around us, of our own existence. Hawking said this, Belief in a God who intervenes in the universe to make sure the good guys win or get rewarded in the next life, well, that's just all wishful thinking. And he went on to finish, but one cannot help asking the question, why does the universe exist? Well, Stephen Hawking, the answer to that is to glorify God. The answer to that And all these questions of knowing the mind of God is Jesus. That we can have life and we can know what our purpose is and what it's all about because God created it all and he told us, I do all of this in full authority and I create it all and I I create you and everything around to receive glory. And I provide a Savior A Redeemer is going to ride into Zion. I provide a Savior so that we can have relationship. I'm not just awesome God. I'm humble servant God. And my whole story is a love letter to you. What's the purpose of it all? It's so that we'll come in relationship. And Stephen Hawking met his creator. And only God knows what that conversation was all about. But he got to see God face-to-face, and know who he really was. And we'll let God be the judge of his heart. All of this is created by me, God says. Here's what Colossians 1.15 says about our King of Kings, about our Creator God who is worthy of praise. Who's this guy riding into Jerusalem on a donkey? He is awesome Creator. Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created, you can't miss this, all things have been created through Him, and then the scripture says in Colossians 1.17, and for him. Don't miss that part. What's it all for? It's for him and for his glory. Everything's held together by him. All these stars and plants, it's all held together by him, Colossians says. Stephen Hawking says, well, we'll get to a place where we can develop a theory where we'll know the mind of God. And God says, nobody can understand me. My ways are not your ways. But you can know me in a deep personal relationship. You see, I've provided a Savior, a Redeemer. You see, I have authority over all this. And because I have authority over all this, I can be king. If it was all made up, he couldn't be our king. Stephen Hawking says, oh, it's all just wishful thinking. Sorry, Stephen, you're wrong. He came. He created. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. And we can know Him. 
personally. All of it for him, that he would be glorified. Who is this man riding in humbly on this donkey, this bracket buster? Is Jesus. We give him praise because he's creator. We give him praise because he is our savior. You see, David wrestles with that question. Well, he's so awesome. He's so amazing. Who can ascend this holy hill? Who can ascend this mountain? Who can stand in this holy place? Well, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who lives in obedience to the Lord. He who in his heart is living in righteousness and pure and living out God's morality and purity and righteousness inside of him. Who can ascend to the holy hill? The one who has a clean heart, pure hands. And you go, well, wait a second. Isn't that works righteousness? Isn't that what I do? But in verse 5, he answers that question. And it leads us to this place of praise again. Praise as creator, but now praise as savior. What does verse 5 say? He will receive blessing from the Lord and he will be vindicated by the Savior. A Redeemer is coming into Zion. You see, the only way that we can ascend the hill is by a Savior delivering us and bringing us there. We cannot come and offer at Passover time enough sacrifice for our sin. The weight of our sin is too much. We need a Savior. We've got to stop trying to think that, that we're going to be good enough for God to get there and, and climb up that hill all by ourselves and in our own strength, even though we're great mountain climbers. The answer is we need a Savior. And we need to come to a place in our lives where we praise God for who He is, where we receive this Redeemer who's riding in humbly on the donkey. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's not the Savior we expected, but He is the Savior indeed. And as we receive Him, He cleanses us, He washes us like we see this morning, the snow that pours over us. He renews us. And then He brings us right into the presence of the living God. Forgiven. Saved. Not only for this life, but for life eternally. Who's this guy riding in on Palm Sunday? He's Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. And so we give Him praise. He's worthy of it. The last stanza of Psalm 24 is this beautiful singing. We praise God that He's the Creator, that He has authority over all that, that He is sovereign. We praise God for that. We praise God that He gave us a Redeemer, a Savior, Jesus. And in the temple, they're praising God. And out on the streets, they're praising God. And then he finishes in Psalm 24. Look at uh, verse uh, 7 with me. We'll, We'll have it up here on the screen. Lift up your heads, O you gates. 
Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Well, who is the King of glory? Again, everybody's asking this question. Who is this King? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. How is he strong and mighty and mighty in battle? He rode in to do battle with sin and death. He rode in to go to the cross and to crush the enemy, to crush sin, to take it, to deal with death as he rose again on the third day. He did great battle for you and me. He's worthy of praise. Do you give praise to the King of Kings, the one who went into battle? Well, who is this King of glory? Lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. It's repeated. It's sung out again. Can you just picture this going on in the temple and at the same time people crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna? Must have been a wonderful chorus. Well, the answer is, He is the King of glory. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The King has showed up, so throw open the gates, He says. Throw them open, open wide. The King has showed up. You know, for those of you who studied European history, you know when the kings of of Europe, let's say England, when the king of England would go out into battle and then he would return in victory, they would show up at the gates of the castle and they would trumpet out, open up the gates. The king has arrived. And the guards at the gates would say, who is this king? Who has showed up? And they would cry out, The King of England has come in victory. Open up the gates. And with great anticipation and with great rejoicing, the gates would open up and the king and all who were with him would come into the city, into the castle. It's the same imagery. Verses 7 through 10 are this conversation back and forth. And so you can picture the Levitical priest singing out, showing up at the gates. Open up the gates! The king has showed up. And they're saying, well, who's this king? He's the Lord mighty, the Lord who's gone into battle, the Lord who's victorious. That's who he is. And you feel like, you feel like they don't quite get it. And so it's sung out again. Lift them up, the gates, open them up wide. Why is it having to be said a second time? It's this way. It's not that they didn't hear. It's not that they didn't understand. It would go like this. Open up the gates. Who is this king? He's the king of glory. Open them up. And when they heard it that first time, It's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord who's gone to battle. Who is that king? All of a sudden, what welled up in their souls was this incredible joy. And so now it was this. Tell us again. Tell us again. Who is this king who showed up? 
It's the King of glory. It's God Almighty. He's come. So open up the gates. And so with great joy, the gates were opened up to receive the King. And praise was given to the King of Kings. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise belongs to our King. Praise as He as he ascended into Jerusalem, his presence in Psalm 24 with the ark. Incredible praise and honor and glory are due him, even more so as he rode in on Palm Sunday. Even more so as the Lord was resurrected from the dead and as he ascended into heaven. Who is this king? He's the Lord of glory, and even more so when He's going to come back in and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Who is He? He's Jesus, our Lord. Can you only imagine when Jesus ascended into heaven? I imagine Psalm 24 being sung by the angels. Who is this king that just showed up? Let's sing! He's conquered death. He is resurrected. It is the King of glory. Jesus has come and the angels and the chorus of angels singing forth, receive the King. We should be a people of praise. There's one last place that he needs to ride where the gates need to open up. And that's our hearts. That's our hearts. You know what happens in the journey in our faith is a lot of times along the journey, we shut those gates to the Lord. We don't allow Him to be Lord of our life anymore. For some reason, we keep trying to live life in our own strength, in our own minds, that you know we're smart enough, we're good enough, we can do this, and we shut the gates off. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you've done that to the Lord, He's standing there, and He's saying with a chorus, open the gates, the King of glory has come. And for some of you, it's, he's come back. Actually, he never left. Open up your gates. Let him in. And for those of you who've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, hear the chorus singing to you. Open up the gates. Receive God's grace in your life. And forgiveness. He is creator. He is sovereign. He is lover of your soul. Receive forgiveness for your sin. And now receive eternal life as you open up the gates of your heart to Him. That is salvation. And you become a child of God. He stands at the door and knocks, Revelation 3 says. Will you open the door and let Him come sup with you? Will you have relationship with awesome God, creator of all, who came humbly and rode in, humble king, breaking all the brackets. We didn't think this was how life was going to be done. But our gentle Savior came in and conquered sin and death and rose again and is worthy of our praise. And so we shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Forgive, forgive us if we've shut the gates of our heart to you. 
And through your Holy Spirit, would we hear your, your voice shouting out along with all of those with you, saying, open the gates, because the King of kings, the Lord of glory has showed up. And Father, we want to receive you this morning. And I pray for those this morning who have never opened their gates to you ever, that you would touch their hearts right now and that they would receive salvation and forgiveness of their sins and new life as they surrender to your Lordship. Call them forth, Father. May they receive your grace and mercy. May they know your love for them. We want to give you praise this morning. You are Creator God, awesome God. You are our Savior, and we are so thankful. And Father, we want to open up our gates and glorify you as you come into our hearts. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.